0: Hi everyone, it's Dr. Dickinson. In this episode of Teacher Prep Tech, I'm gonna be talking about the value of bringing math games into your practice. Don't forget to check out our website, Teacher Prep Tech, as well as our YouTube channel. You can actually see me playing math games with the students. Have fun, enjoy, and play math games. Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teacher Prep Tech. Today, I wanna talk to you about the value of bringing math games into your practice. Now, your students come into your classroom with different funds of knowledge, but you could probably say that most of them have played games throughout their life. In fact, they might even have started playing some of the classic games like Candyland or Shoots of Ladders. And when you think about it, a lot of these games actually have math skills built into them. Kids are counting. They're going from one-to-one correspondence. They're matching. They're looking at patterns. They're counting on. They're counting back. So math is inherently built into games. And so what a great space for you to kind of create a classroom where kids are engaged with each other. They're using math talk. They're problem solving. They're justifying their response. All of the math practices in a math game. So If you're like me, you got kids, your kids are going to want to play games. And if they get into the classroom, they're going to want to play more. You can get some traditional board games, even at the Goodwill store for really cheap. I know I got many games there that actually have a lot of math skills in them. Think about risk. You have base 10. Not only do you have base 10, but you also have geography in one game. Think about a game like Settlers of Catan. You have ratios. You have logic, reasoning, problem solving. And then you have some traditional math games like Prime Climb, where kids are practicing multiples, factors, prime and composite numbers. So having some traditional board games, even just in the back of your room where kids can work on, they can choose maybe on a rainy day when everybody's in your classroom because they can't go out to the yard to, uh, to eat their lunches. Having those math games is going to be a huge benefit. But in addition to having games like traditional board games, you should also think about ways that you can fit math games into your practice. You can make your own games. You can also have digital games online that kids can practice computational skills. Don't forget to check out uh, my website, Teacher Prep Tech, and click on the link Tech Tools. You'll see a whole list of games under the category Gamify. So as a teacher educator, I just wanna share that typically my pre-service students come in and one of the first questions I ask them is about their early experiences and whether they like mathematics. I would say that for the majority of the students that have had positive attitudes about math and are excited about math and enjoy math, they've had a lot of those informal experiences, either playing games with family or learning about math outside of the classroom that makes them enjoy math and see the excitement for math. So you wanna create a space, not just to have a lot of those um, structured experiences, but unstructured activities like games where kids can play and they can just enjoy math for the sake of math. Now, I talked about some board games, but you can also think about creating your own games. I know that I create a lot of my own games based on the Common Core math standards. I look at the standards, think about what the students need to do, and I think about how can I gamify this? Can I make this into a game maybe by adding a spinner or some dice or some cards where kids are creating, they're counting, they're multiplying, they're dividing. Um, And so creating game boards are really easy, and you know your kids, you know what they like. After you make a game board, you might want to throw on like a cool Pokemon image or some graphic that they can color in or share, I also like to ask questions on there. What did you learn? What do you want to know more about? Have them rate how fun the game was um, and have them share what they learned on your game board. Game boards are great to also send home. So typically what I do when I introduce a game, like I make a game like make and compare fractions and students have to roll two dice and they have to make a proper fraction. So we're reinforcing what a proper fraction is. Kids will create their fraction, and then they get to color it in on using the area model, three-fourths, and then they'll compare it with their partner's fraction that they've created. Um, And then as an extension, the kids can cut out their bars, their area models, and put them on a number line and compare them. They can see equivalent fractions. They can see the fractions in order from least to greatest. So they're building a lot of skills there. And these games are fun for the kids because they're cooperative games. So that means they're playing together. They're working together. You can also make competitive games. So I just made another game. It's like a race to one with fractions and kids are rolling dice. And then what they have to do is they have to decompose the fraction. Um, So if they have, you know, four, six, they can break it apart into one half and two, um, two, six, and they'll color it in as fraction strips on a a game board and try to fill up their chart first. So a lot of ways that kids can practice and just have fun. And you can also check their understanding because it's more of an authentic assessment. So kids are naturally more comfortable. They they don't feel the anxiety of taking a test and stressing out. Um, And again, my exit ticket can just be some questions. What did you learn about decomposing fractions? What is an equivalent fraction? And what would you like to know more about? So just creating that space, you can see it's not high stakes, high stress. And kids are having fun. They're practicing the skills that they're working on. They're developing strategies. So games are fun to play. They're easy to make. I make all my games on PowerPoint and then I print them out. Um, And I'm always going back and modifying it after I play the game. Like, oh, I should have added this or that another cool thing that i love to do with the games after i make them and my students have you know developed um you know some understanding they know how to play the game is then i tell them okay i want you to go home and play with a sibling or play with your parent i want you to teach someone how to play this game so the students are also now they're going to practice their skills in in terms of explaining their thinking explaining how to play the game and using mathematical terms So it's a great way to kind of reinforce all the strategies, reinforce what you're doing in the class, but in a way that's light and fun. And I actually learned this a few years back from um, one of my children's teachers. She would send home a math game every single week. And I'm like, this is great because typically when my kids get home and I tell them it's time to do homework, they're hemming and hawing and they just don't want to do it. And yeah, I just don't want to have to yell at them So when we have the math games, it's like, it's a chance for us to kind of sit together, you know, me and my child, talk about what they did, engage in the math. I'm thinking, you know, of course, I'm a math teacher, but I'm also thinking like, okay, what do my students, you know, what does my child know? Like, where can I support my child? What is my child learning? And it gives me a chance to like praise them and, you know, build their confidence and, you know, give some extra support. So math games are fun, and what I ended up doing was I ended up bringing that back into my classroom and having my students every week. They were bringing home a math game, and they had to play it with a play it with a parent or sibling, um, and they would just sign the game board and just have the sign the signature, and they bring home their um, game board that they played. So as kind of like evidence of learning. So it was just kind of a fun way that you can bring it into your practice. Uh, Math games are also awesome. If you are doing like math centers, you can have one of your centers be the game center. And again, it's, it's important for kids to have choice. So you might have them choose like, okay, you can either, you know, do these 24 game cards or you can do your compare fractions or you can play a board game. So math centers are a great way to to have games be part of your practice. I also really like to use math games if I notice that my students are lacking some foundational skills. Let's say um, we're starting a new unit and we're, you know, we're doing something on um, dividing fractions and my kids need support on, you know, identifying fractions, then I might throw in a game that you know, gives them some of those skills from third grade that they missed. And now we're in sixth grade, but without telling them like, Hey dude, you should know this. Like you should have mastered this. Now this is a third grade standard. Well, let me tell you that's considered deficit thinking as a teacher. And I don't want to do that with my class because it disempowers them. It makes them feel like, yeah, not good about themselves. And then, you know, it's no wonder why kids come in the class and they say, I hate math and I don't want to do math, you know, because we're kind of enforcing like, you're just not good at math. Now it takes time and a lot of practice to master all of these skills that we're teaching them. So, um, building in some opportunities for them to, um, play game is kind of like prior knowledge before you start a new unit, you can have them practice a, a, a game with a skill that they should master. Um, and if they're struggling, then you know, like, okay, I need to go back and do some direct, direct direct instruction to, you know, reinforce, like, procedural knowledge of how to change a fraction to a decimal. So it's a great way to also informally assess them on those prior knowledge. Um, and, of course, you can have games be something for challenge and enrichment. Uh, I always had them in my math class and the kids knew that if they finished and they got everything checked, um, they can go play a game. And so, yeah, that's an option for it to, for, to have that in there. And how I had them with the games that I made was I put them in a clear sheet protector and I put it in a binder, like in, in, on, in the back of my room. So it's just a white binder. So they got to practice some skills that I've already identified is these are the things that you guys need to practice. So you know, you want to work smarter or not harder. And, you know, having games are just a great way to hit on all of those things that we talked about. I also talked about um, some ways that you can actually create games and bring it into your practice. And I just want to close with saying that, you know, this is a great way for you to kind of see what your kids know, Um, integrate other content areas, as I shared. If you're playing the game like Risk or Monopoly, well, you've got some other curriculum that you're integrating. Um, You know, if the kids are playing a math game, most likely they have to practice their reading skills as well. So there's also a K-12 math game challenge that your kids can participate in. If they get really into their own games, then they can make their own. Um, So don't be afraid to kind of just bring it into your practice. If if it gets loud, hey, that means that they're having fun and um, they're enjoying what they're doing. Make sure when you are making your own games that you're trying to make these games that are open-ended. And what I mean by that is that everyone can have some success with the game. So you might have a compare-fraction game. And then for the kids that finish early, you can add in like, okay, put those on a number line or compare and order them or you know, um, see which ones are equivalent. So those are additional ways that you can kind of like move the kids forward. Because when you are playing games, not everyone's going to be finished at the same time. But as you know, as a teacher, once that hand goes up and someone says, I'm done, that you need to provide some additional challenge or that one or two children that are done are going to throw everybody else off task. And the last thing you want to do with, when you are playing game is kind of short, shortchange somebody You know, you want to give them the chance to kind of finish the game, play the game at their own pace. And and so um, making sure that when you are playing games that you've got some additional ways that you can kind of enrich the game or move the kids forward or some other games that they can play so that everyone has a chance to play um, and to finish their game. Um, Also, you want to make sure that if you are sending home games for for the parents or you're using a game at center it's really important that you make directions to the games. I know when we were playing um, this fun game, I just discovered actually a colleague of mine told me about, it's called Monopoly Deal. My son loves Monopoly, but as you guys all know, if you've ever played Monopoly, it can literally be like a six hour game. And um, yeah, you don't have six hours to play games in the classroom. So Monopoly Deal is like, it's i don't know it's an abridged version i guess you could say of monopoly you can literally play the game in 15 minutes and you're you know practicing skills like logic and reasoning and counting money um and strategy so uh but the whole time we were playing this game i was like ah i digress but when we were playing the game as family i had my little cheat sheet my little you know index card of like what the rules were so that we could reference it because it was our first time playing. So when you are making games, make sure you also include a page that includes the directions and what the kids need to do. I also um when I'm playing a game that I think might be a little bit more complex, I also include like a work out example for the kids to reference. Just like if you're teaching a concept in math, you know, you want to have like your anchor chart or your poster or your notes for something for the kids to practice in Um, reference when they're working independently because they're just learning this new skill. so um, yeah I used my cheat sheet a lot last night because I couldn't remember all the rules at once Um, another thing that I like to do when I am making games or even if your kids are playing games is to provide some types of scaffold so um, with this fraction bar game I you know included an entire Um, fraction strips of all the equivalent fractions and parts of fractions that the kids could reference. So make sure that you're thinking about, you know, when you're playing the games or that you're making games, what kind of scaffolds can I provide my students? Whether it's like a hundreds chart or a multiplication chart, um, things that they can reference for support. And remember that the more um, that we create these visual images for our kids, the more they're going to remember that, and then the less likely they will be to need it. So Scaffold support. All of those visual cues are going to help our students move away from any supports they need, just like you know, training wheels. So, I think I talked a lot about the value of math games. Don't forget, lots of games on Teacher Prep Tech for you to reference. Subscribe to our channel, and I will send you a packet of math games for for you to play. And you can just start bringing in games right away. You can you know, start your, your, um, your math lesson with a game and let the kids show you what they know. Let them practice the skill that they should know, let them have fun. And then guess what's going to happen. They're going.